0: You'll turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start the next chapter in the Sermon on the Mount. <clears throat> so if you'll open your Pew Bibles and follow along, I am not going to read the Lord's Prayer here, but I'm just going to read the three sections uh, of the next three things that the Lord is going to be dealing with here. So beginning in chapter 6. In verse 1 through eight, first, Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them, otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when you do your alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when you do alms, Let not your left hand know what your right hand does, that your alms may be seen, may be in secret, and your Father which sees in secret shall reward you openly. And when you pray, you shall not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, enter into your closet, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father which is in secret, and your Father which sees in secret shall reward you openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not... You therefore lack unto them, for your Father knows what things you need of before you ask Him. And then I'm going to go down to verse 11. Give us this day, I'm sorry, verse, I wrote it down wrong. 16, moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward, but you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that you appear not unto men to fast, but unto your Father which is in secret, and your Father which sees in secret shall reward you openly. Let us pray. Father, we come before you again this afternoon to open up your word, and I just pray again, Lord, that you would stir our hearts, help us to overcome our digestion. And uh, help us to overcome the afternoon kind of lethargy that we go to. And I pray that you would help us to stir ourselves up to pay attention. And that we might learn the things that you have for us this afternoon. In Christ's name, amen. Christ is giving us his word. He's speaking to us. He's still speaking to us now. Each of you have... These eternal souls that God has given you to steward throughout your life. And he's giving us this teaching in the Sermon on the Mount so that we would know how we are to live and to move and to have our being in this life. Christ has come and he's pronounced blessings upon you. What does it mean to be blessed as he opened up this sermon? It means to be favored. It means to be in God's very presence. And from that, there's going to be your reaction to the world as being salt and light. And then there's going to be the reaction of the world to that. Those that God has called out of the world and has raised from the dead. He is giving them this life of light and grace so that you will be different. But along the way, we are given many warnings. And today, we are given a warning to take heed. Christ has moved from correcting the theology that had gone wrong in His day. He had said many times, you've heard it said, but I say unto you. So we have this tendency to change God's Word. We have a tendency to forget it. And that's why we must always be coming back here every week to have this delusive dream shattered so that we might be awakened afresh and anew to the things of eternity. Christ moves from correcting the theology in chapter 5. Now he's moving to correct the practice, the religious practice. There are three areas that is is expected a child of God will be practicing in religion. You will be giving money to the poor. You will be praying and you will be fasting. He says when you do this. So it's expected that a, a child of grace will be doing these three things. But just like there is a Love of the world, you got that this morning? There is a love of the world that we must hate. There is a love of religion we must hate. There is a love of religion that turns these beautiful things of giving money and praying and fasting and turns it into an outward form and an outward practice just so that we might be thought well of by others. This is kind of going back into the teaching that we did last year talking about the fear of men versus the fear of God. In the fear of men, we worry about what men think more than God does. And so we pretend. We pretend. But Christ is here to correct that. And so He comes. And we'll look at the warning, the reward And living in the presence so first of all we will take a look at this warning attend take heed take heed turn your mind your mind needs to be turned regularly this is the morning ritual which is more than a ritual it's a morning passion Of the heart that has been transformed that I get up every morning and say, God, save me all over again. Wake me up. Help me to get in the Word first before I pick up the phone or look at the calendar. Help me, Lord, to get my heart stirred up. Attend. Take heed. Beware. Keep the heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Take heed that you do not your alms before men. This is the warning. Don't let your religious practice be turned into something you're doing to get vain pleasure. Attend. Take heed that you do not your alms before men. I need to just talk a little bit about this first verse. Okay? So... If you take a look at some of your King James versions. This first verse here. The word alms. Now I know some of you kids have never heard the word alms maybe. And some of you that have. Been had this read in front of you a lot. You already know that alms means given to the poor. But in the margins of most of the new newer King James Bibles. It will say act of righteousness. And so. uh, It makes sense that that word should be act of righteousness in verse 1 instead of alms. Because verse 1 is an umbrella verse over these three sections of giving to the poor, prayer, and fasting. And so the very first verse says, Take heed that you do not your acts of righteousness before men to be seen of them, Otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. That's a summary of everything which is coming down through verse 18. Acts of righteousness. What do we mean by acts of righteousness? If you all remember Christ said except your righteousness exceeds outward religious show. He's dealing with it again here. This outward Fakery, this outward acting, if your righteousness does not proceed from inside, if the dead bones are not cleaned out, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So this exceeding righteousness, which is the theme of the whole it's the theme of the whole Bible. This exceeding righteousness, which your soul needs. First comes to you when you repent and believe upon Christ. It flows from a born again heart. By a sovereign act of God. And raising from the, you from the dead. And helping you to love things that can't be seen. That is the first place where all of our righteousness comes from. Is by faith in Christ. From that righteousness which we call Justification. Now being alive and loving Christ and loving righteousness, you obey Christ and you do actual works of righteousness. That's what Christ was talking about here. You will be giving to the poor. You will be praying. And you will be fasting. Another thing that I would just like to uh, mention here, we're going to go into this more deeply as we get through this section, but as an overview today of this, Section We must also consider, Christ has said that we're going to be salt and light, right? And in this section right here, he says, go into your closet. He says, don't do these things to be seen of men. And yet Christ has declared we are going to be seen of men. So how do we reconcile that? He says, when you pray, go into your closet and close the door. And yet, in the scripture, we have the prayer of Solomon publicly, David's prayers publicly, Nehemiah. We have the Apostle Paul's prayers recorded in scriptures, which are now public. And so, what Christ is dealing with here is the motive of your heart. Why are you here today? I love afternoon services. It seems like there's a special blessing that comes in the afternoon when people come that are willing to fight through as already prayed digestion to hear another message. I think it's good for us to do that. I think it builds character for us to do that. It's to come in here and to overcome that so that we might learn more things of God. There is a singular focus of the heart that pierces through rather this idea that I'd rather be taking a nap right now than in, in the house of God. There, there is this love and this passion, this singular focus. There is a place for public prayer and there is a place for private prayer. But even when we pray publicly, we pray as if nobody else was in the room, and we are in the closet. And we are singularly focused on praying to Him and Him alone. I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to inspire one another to give. We read of the Thessalonians who gave money. They gave their grocery money. Money they couldn't afford to be given, they were given. And Paul commends them for it in order to stir other people up to give more. So there's a place for that, but again it comes back to the motive. Thessalonians weren't the ones standing up and saying that. Paul was. And yet it was seen that they were doing it. But they were doing it in such a way that they weren't doing it to be seen of other people. They were singularly focused on, I want Christ's kingdom to advance in this world. I want his kingdom, not my kingdom, to be growing. And so, just to deal with the balance in this sermon of, salt and light will be seen. But there's a way in which we do these things in a singular way where the motive is that we want to please Daddy. We want to receive the pleasure that comes from being in the presence of our Father. Next, let's talk about reward. So we've got the warning before us. Hypocrisy. We are all prone to hypocrisy. And in fact, before I talk about reward, just to remind you, there is a hypocrite Noun, a person that's actually a hypocrite, like these Pharisees, these are the ones that Christ is going to talk about in the end of this sermon and says, Depart from me, I never knew you. Who were in church every week and they were doing religious practices through their entire life, and none of it was of any value because they weren't doing it from a motive. They were doing it from a motive of love. They were doing it to be seen of men. And they have their reward. Take heed that you do not your righteousness. Before men to be seen of them. Otherwise you have no reward. In Isaiah 3.10 it says. Say to the righteous. That it shall be well with him. For they shall eat the fruit of their doings. And so I'm going to say to you. It will be well with you. Because you're going to eat the fruit of your doings. And the fruit of your doings is when you're doing righteous acts for the glory of God the Father. You'll eat the fruit of your doings. What is that? What is the fruit of your doings that you're going to eat? It's reward. The blessing of God that you sense in your soul when you read, when you pray, sitting in the preaching, singing these songs of Zion. When we sense God's approbation, His favor, His blessing. When we taste that and we have that in our life, we have a reward now. The Holy Spirit seals you. You have a reward now, a down payment, an assurance of salvation. The word reward here means essentially wages paid. They can be positive or negative. So if you go get caught speeding, and we get these things in the mail that have the picture of our car on it. You ever got one of those? You drive them to a school zone at a time of day when you think school's out, and you get this little thing in the mail saying, you get to donate $150 to Henry County. And so you get a reward, but that's not a positive reward, is it? But that's a reward for a behavior, isn't it? For a behavior of speeding, maybe through negligence, ignorance. But you still got to pay the fine, right? Wages. We have no reward. I would tell you, brothers and sisters, there is an essential reward in your soul of hungering and thirsting to see God. The pure in heart shall see God. be attitudes of being emptied and being filled by Him is our reward now. And we have promises of a future internal, eternal reward. It's right to seek rewards. You know, I know uh, the first pastor that baptized me was almost run out of the pulpit for preaching about rewards. And I don't know all the details of it, but. Uh, he got in trouble for preaching about rewards. And yet you read the Bible and, well, you read the, the parable of the talents and other places and there's this idea of rewards. Your whole life is being driven by God's design of you to seek the reward of pleasure. And just think about this last week. Everything you did was driven by reward. Men, women got up and went to work. Why? The reward of payment. We sit down and we eat a meal because we get the reward of nutrition and strength in our bodies. We read books. We enjoy music. There's a reward in that that you are naturally seeking. And the natural person that's not born of the Spirit of God Is seeking reward only for their own pleasure. And in religion, the distortion of this comes when people are seeking the reward that somebody else might think highly of them, a puny, tiny mind might think highly of them, rather than the infinite, loving Father. It's right to seek rewards from our daddy our Abba there will be a final reward we shall all appear before the judgment seat of God our father takes pleasure in his children when we are seeking to please him in 1 Corinthians 3.13 this is what's known what kind of chapter is this called? The love chapter, right? And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, 1 Corinthians 13, 3, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profits me nothing. That's what is being communicated here by the Lord. If our motive here is not true love, For God and man, there is no profit. They have their reward. No profit. In Romans 6, 21. As we went through this series a few years ago, Paul, speaking of rewards. What fruit? The fruit is the reward. What fruit did you have in those things that you're now ashamed of? The sin of your past. For the end of those things is what is the wages, the reward of sin? Death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and an everlasting life. That's the reward. And he ends that chapter by saying the wages, the reward, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. We have received that gift of righteousness to keep us from this very dangerous practice of coming here and preaching. And praying and singing only to be seen of men. May God keep us from faking it. And may we be here with a singular heart to want to serve Him. To want to know Him. Finally, our third point. The Father's pleasure. Take heed that you do not your righteousness before men to be seen of them. Otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. This Father in heaven which is always beholding your heart. This Father in heaven is always judging every day. And he is judging his children in love. So that the details of your life, from beginning to end, last week and this coming week, He has events, providence, moments planned in order to grow you in grace, to grow you in humility. And we need that, don't we? The pride of life that we heard about this morning, that's a tough one. To stay on top of. This Father is always beholding us. He is moving towards us in love. He is giving us this warning take heed, beware. Don't come into this place and pretend to be something you're not. Believe upon my Son. Psalms 33, 18, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear Him, those that hope in His mercy. Knowing the Father and the reward of His blessings and tasting that, and after years of your life spent in following and growing and giving money away so that you break the curse of covetousness, And praying, and praying, and reaping the benefits of prayer. And fasting in order to kill lust, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, and the lust of the flesh. Fasting to beat this body down. As you do that over the course of years and years in your life, you will taste more and more of the reward of righteousness. And as you taste that reward, you will hate hypocrisy. Look at what Christ had to deal with. In Matthew 23, that entire chapter is a woe unto hypocrites who did everything to be seen of men. They like the seats in the high places. They like to pray on the street. We see those pictures again and again in there. Let us not be like that. But let us be of singular heart. When we come to this place, we've got Bibles and we've got hymnals. Pick them up use them. Take every advantage to get your eyes on this and and break that sin problem we have with our eyes. Let your eyes feast upon word. Let your heart feast upon the joy of the Lord. And so we have this overarching view here that we beware, that we take heed, that as we do our religious acts, that we do them in such a way that we want Father to see that we love Him. We want Him to know that we are coming Him because we hunger and thirst after a righteousness I don't have except by faith in Jesus Christ. I don't want to be like Cain who came to worship without faith. I don't want to be like Judas. Kissing Jesus on the face. And then betraying him. I don't want to be like the multitude of ministers. Amongst primitive Baptists and other wares. That we have seen. That have been proven to be hypocrites. Even after years of pretending. In front of the people of God. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be a cloud. Without any rain in it. I don't want to be a paid mourner. the hope of the hypocrite shall perish. I want to hear those warnings about hypocrisy in the scriptures. And though I know from time to time I will commit the sin of hypocrisy and so will you, that in the end we will not be found to be hypocrites. But we will be found to be repentant believers. Jesus Christ gave to the poor the most valuable thing That money cannot buy. He gave his body and his blood. For blood sacrifice. Jesus Christ. Prayed. Infallible prayers. For you. That all those who have not seen. Would be blessed. Jesus Christ. Fasted. To perfection over 40 days. Until the hunger pains set in. In the presence of intense temptation, probably more than just the three we read about. So that, that very spirit of laying down life and body, that very spirit of giving to the poor, that very spirit of prayer, that very spirit of fasting to fight sin. To fight the world and to fight Satan would be in us also. I pray that God would bless you to be such a one. Amen.